Simulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Delavan, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Ephraim Guzman. My guest today, he pretty much needs no introduction, especially if you're a fan of the wrestling world. Ladies and gentlemen, the Russian nightmare, Nakita Koloff. Nikita, welcome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he did it for me. Oh, thank you so much, man. <laughs> Good to be with you, Brad, and, and, and all of your listeners. Good to be with you, my brother. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Um, first of all, let me just before we even start talking, um, how have you been dealing with the pad- pandemic, and how you've been in 2020? How's everything for you? Well, you know, it, it was a, like like many, it was an interesting year. Um, now, you know, it, it turned out to be really a pretty amazing year for me, and and by that I mean, you know, as you're probably aware of it some of your doing some of your homework some of your research i mean the main thing i do is travel speak preach uh i do conferences men's conferences and camps with in fact i team up with lex luger we do a we do a camp together called man camp um we'll make sure you get that information but um yeah um so it was interesting because because mid-March, when everything just kind of shut down, um, there was about a, four, a solid four-month window there that everything went away, including including the ministry, autograph signings, uh, a, a number of different things that I, I'll normally do, and so that just that just disappeared. But then around the end of July, kind of August, things for me opened back up and I did about five or six of our man up conferences and we did Lex and I did a camp um and uh we did two camps last year believe it or not and uh, two of the man camps and I did several autograph signings uh as well and so it, it was so uh, overall turned out to be a, a a great year for me no, oh, wow. I know because, you know, it's funny because I talked to a lot of people and a lot of people said even though 2020 has this very much lows, a lot of people had highs professionally, business-wise. A lot of people had had, a, had, had good years in 2020. So it's crazy that yeah. you're saying that yourself, too, that you had a good year in 2020, well, even though with all the I, pandemic. I, I did. And, and then and considering, so if you consider four months of, of just being shut down, so that's what? That's one-third of the year, right? Yeah. And so, but, real, real quick, uh, but a, a couple of blessings that came out of that is I, I worked, I've got a new book in the process. I've written three. I'm working on a fourth and uh, got got quite a bit quite a bit of that new book in, in, in the works. And, like yourself, uh, actually a radio show and okay. my own, own podcast called the, the Man Up Podcast. It's time to man up actually came out of that uh, 
that that shutdown for me. So some very positive things were birthed during those four months when when I virtually couldn't couldn't go and travel or speak or do anything. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people got inspired from shutdown, like to be creative in different ways? Like you said, if this didn't happen, you probably wouldn't even been doing a podcast, right? For being shut down and whatnot. Yeah, most likely. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say like you, you used the word most. I wouldn't say most people got creative. Um, I, I'll say some. Some. Okay. Some people got creative because because I know it went both ways, right? Some some went into you know a depression and their anxiety went off the charts. Yeah, all of that. But I also know some personally mm-hmm. that like myself took advantage of the shutdown. And uh, it turned a very a very negative thing into a very positive thing. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, being positive really you know changes the outlook on one person's life, and it it, 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 may, it uplifts you. What's what, like? Why are you so positive? But what's like? What makes you get out of the bed and are happy to be alive? What does that for you? You know, it's a great question, and I I I, I want to go back really to to my early beginnings in 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 the projects of Minneapolis. I, I don't look at that, you know. The I I we affectionately call it, you know, the ghettos, you know, yeah. right out right outside the skyline of Minneapolis. But I don't look back on on those beginnings and and not being raised by a dad. You know, my dad left when I I was three. I was the youngest of four, mm-hmm. raised by my mom by herself. Um, but I don't have any ill ill regret on, on my beginnings. In fact. It was in those early days, looking back, that I used that situation, those circumstances, as motivation to better myself. And she eventually moved us out to the suburbs in the fifth grade, where I, I very quickly adapted. I found, picked up a, a muscle magazine and, and kind of fell in love with professional football. And I began to build a, a, a plan, you might say, or a vision for my life. And so... Uh, from, I, I've been kind of a self motivator for for the most, majority of my life, and 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 I'm the eternal optimist. If you bring, if you bring me a black cloud, I'll tell you right now, I somehow somehow somewhere I will find a silver lining in that black cloud. Wow, wow! And then you said coming from Minneapolis or coming from the streets, like um, you said like um, going to the gym was that like a uh, a place of refuge for you when you was a teenager as yourself, like going to the gym and working out and whatnot, right? Yeah, oh yeah. No, it became a real outlet for me. I, I mean, I ate, lived, ate, breathed, slept. Um, in, in fact, I was 12 years old when I came across that Iron Man magazine. I got in, I was just infatuated by, with the guys in the magazine, mm-hmm. bodybuilders, and I thought, I literally thought to myself at age 12, one day, I'm going to look like one of those guys. And I bought a 110-pound plastic weight set from Sears and Roebuck filled with sand and started reading the articles, started eating right. And 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 fast forward the story, 12 years later, at the age of 24, when I walked into the wacky world of professional wrestling, the day Jim Crockett uh, saw me, the promoter, I was 285 pounds, 8% body fat with a 34-inch waist. Oh my God! Oh so my exactly God. what I said I'd become at age twelve. Twelve years later, I became. 
Wow. And how was that? Speak a little bit about the Jim Crockett experience. How was that like for you? Because I know you, the whole Minnesotan crew of like Rick Rude, Barry Darso, like you all came from that same area of Minneapolis. Um, how did all that come about for you? Yeah, we all came from the same high school. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right? I had a high school. Same high school, Robbinsdale High School. Robbinsdale High School. I yeah. mean, Minneapolis and, and or Minnesota as a whole was a essentially you might say a mecca for professional wrestling. From, um, of course, it had the AWA there with Vern Gagne years years ago. The territory uh, AWA, but um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting looking back because. There were so many other guys besides those you mentioned that came out of Robbinsdale High School that, you know, Road Warrior Animal came out of Irondale High School. Uh, Mike Hegstrand, Hawk, came out of came out of uh, Minneapolis uh, Henry High School. I mean, there were so many guys. Uh, Mike Enos, Wayne Bloom, Scott Norton. I mean, you go just down the list of guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just unique for me uh, in that, and I made sure Jim Crockett understood this before I, I showed up at his office in 1984, was that I had no amateur wrestling background, no professional training. I, I was just an athlete, right? I, I fell in love with football. I was training for a pro football tryout. So I was an athlete, and I was a bodybuilder, but I had no wrestling background. But he said that didn't matter. And so I showed up the day he said to be there. He took a look at me, and... Nikita Koloff is born in the hallways of Charlotte, North Carolina in June of 1984. Mm-hmm. And um, for people out there who don't know, why Nikita Koloff? Why that? So so part of the story, uh, the the, sto- the whole storyline was came, came, came about through Sergeant Slaughter, a guy named Sergeant Slaughter, and Don Cernodal. Mm-hmm. And Don Cernodal was Ivan Koloff's partner at the time they were the world tag team champions and and don came to road warrior animal who i had actually recruited out of high school to play college football with me who flipped the script so to speak and recruited me from from football into wrestling okay and but don had approached uh, animal and said this question do you know any big guys who wouldn't mind shaving their head and becoming a russian and, and Adam was like, I know the guy right now. And so he's the one who called me and, and shared the story with me. And the idea was for a nephew for Ivan Koloff. And there's a whole story to that. But yeah. but I fit the bill. When they took a look at me and saw him, they're like, this is this is the guy. So I became nephew Nikita or <laughs> Uncle Ivan. <laughs> Oh, man. And, you know, your debut, you were so impressive. You, you know, people always say he was the Goldberg before Goldberg, you know, like people look at you like, wow, like this guy is phenomenal. And um, being involved in, in the wrestling from the Crockett days, like, do you remember like the difference, how it was then to compare to the wrestling that it is now? Like what was, you yeah. know, yeah. Like those... yeah. Yeah, I do. And well, I, and I'll comment on the Goldberg thing because, uh, you know, it's interesting because we didn't think of it back then, but, you know, when he broke in, they, they did this whole track thing of how many, you know, wins without losses and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting you say the Goldberg before Goldberg because my first win on television, my debut was on television with having never been in a ring before, nor being on TV before, and I had an 11-second win on television. And then I went on that whole entire year to virtually win every match in 1984 
leading up to and into 1985, becoming the world tag team champion uh, with Ivan, six-man champion, and eventually wrestling the Nature Boy Ric Flair only 13 months into the business for the world heavyweight title. So you want to talk about an accelerated career, I think you're spot on the Goldberg before Goldberg comment, right? Yeah. Um, and we just didn't track it the way they tracked him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was so different. You're right, because they did like if they would have done what they did back then. I mean, what they did with Goldberg with you probably would have been like so different. Like you're right, but I guess that mindset wasn't like oh he's undefeated. That mindset wasn't like that back then. I guess you know. Yeah, well, we weren't really, we weren't really thinking about that as much as just building me into this yeah. monster machine, this Russian machine who would be undefeatable, unbeatable. You know, kind kind of kind of guy, and even the promotion for. Even the promoting for the, the American Bash was, you know, we're going to take all the gold and go back to Moscow, right? Because <laughs> yeah. we already had the six-man, the world tags, and now we're going to get the, I'm going to get the single. We're going to take it all back to Moscow. But let me comment real quick on the, the product then and the product now. And and taking nothing away from the athletes in, in present modern day, but the main difference for your listeners, when they go back and watch old videos, even fan reaction was different then than it is now. Many uh, of the fans I meet have called it the golden era of wrestling. Here's the difference. There, there was, we as a wrestler, whether it was an interview or a match, had what I would call creative control. In other words, I might walk into a building and the referee give me, give me the outcome, give me the finish, but it was up to me and my opponent or opponents to go in the ring Many times without even talking to each other, because you know we're we're in dressing rooms on opposite ends of the building, and be able to go in the ring, tell a story spontaneously, improv that would lead into the outcome. Okay, mm-hmm. same thing with interviews. I was never handed a script. I just said, "Who who am I wrestling and where?" All right, let's roll camera, and I'd cut a promo. The difference with the, today's product is. They've taken that creative control out of the wrestler's hands, handed it off to writers who write their scripts and write their matches out, and then they just have to go out and perform it. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, you're right. And it's... It's it's like night and day now when you know people have fond memories of the of the early eighties from like eighty five on that you know it was like the smoky arenas and and it was all different type you know characters you know like character based compared right. to what it is now. Um, being involved in um, um, the on the National Wrestling Alliance you know WCW um, you you know you've you've been traveling the world you've been doing training so much like your body your, your body was your temple you had to make sure you was in top condition to work as 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 the you know as the work you've been doing um have you feel um is you know in wrestling you know the people now that there's like it's, it's almost like anybody could have been become a, not anybody but like you know like you said, you had no wrestling experience. You had a look, and it was like, you know what? You're going to be a Russian. You're going to be a wrestler. Like nowadays, it's so different now. Like no one, no one could come off, come off, come off the street like that. Pretty much, right? Is it like so well, different? Well, no. For, for I, I would say for certain. In fact, that's part of my, you know, part of the uniqueness of yeah. my story. And and I'll just say too, uh, I'll, I'll mention this is a good time to just mention. I mean, 
obviously we're we're going to cover so much of my story on 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 your on your podcast. But yeah. for those who maybe want to know more of the story, um, you know they can. I, I've got one of the, one of the books I wrote was my life story, Nikita: A Tale of the Ring and mm-hmm. Redemption. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, in fact, I just launched a brand new website, Kolop.net, um, and they, there's a store there that can order the the books uh right right one's motivational one's inspirational but all that to say um that's part of the uniqueness of my story is uh, you're right i I don't believe they'd ever grab a guy like and that was just a timing thing right the timing of the the cold war the story i was in a sense if you want to say the right place at the right time and and crockett did take a chance and put me put me on television put me in the ring with no experience but fortunately for me after I was able, uh, I, again, I guess because, you know, my athletic ability, I was able to adapt very quickly and learn, if you want to say, on-the-job training oh, yeah. very rapidly that that accelerated the success of my career. I, I don't know too many stories or any really, honestly, of anyone prior to that that did it that way or since then. And I don't know that that they would ever take that chance at this point. Yeah, um, and and you've been involved for a while. Um, what made you leave the first time wrestling? What made you leave? Well, I I took a I took a sabbatical a hiatus. Um, my late wife Mandy yeah. was diagnosed with cancer at age twenty four, wow. and and she battled that for two years. It, it went into remission. She went through chemo radiation and went into remission, but then it came back full force. When it came back full force, that's when I stepped out. I just said, guys, this is a priority in my life. But, you know, I, we, her and I had gotten married. I said, you know, my wife's a priority and, and I'm, you know, I'll be back, but I'm going to go take care of her. And quite honestly, they, they weren't real thrilled about that, but that I just felt that was the right thing to do. And, uh, and not make wrestling my number one priority, even though I was main event, uh, you know, every, every night at that at that point in my career, and, and you know, riding riding high on that, I just felt it was the right thing to do. And and I eventually did come back, and it was never really the same when I did, but but that was why I left the the first time. Yeah. Um. And you know, speaking about that, um, how you know? I, I know you have it detailed in your website, and you have a detailed in the book. But um, tell the people out there what made you come to Christ. Well, and that's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm looking back. I'm reflecting back on my life now. And there's so many things that I wasn't necessarily looking for, mm-hmm. but that things came across my path, like the opportunity to become a pro wrestler. Right? I I didn't grow up dreaming of being a pro wrestler, but the opportunity presented itself. I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in Moscow. <laughs> I didn't grow up in church. Um, and uh, But I knew this story. I knew this story. I'd heard the story o- over the course of life, like many of us. You know, this man Jesus who lived and was crucified, you know, with spikes driven through his hands and feet and a spear through his side and, you know, and died, you know, rose three days later. I knew the story. I'd heard this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't impact my life, just knowing the story. And it was... Uh, you know, I, le- I left wrestling as unusual a way as I broke in at at a very young age, my early 20s. I walked away in my early 30s at age 33 under my own terms. I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm. And then part of my goal was to walk away on top of the business anyway, leaving people wanting more than wondering when I was going to leave. And, and little did I know 
that in that the 11 months that would follow and as I'm kind of processing my, my, my success, I, I would say I was successful, but I was unfulfilled. I'm like, wait a minute. I've been a world champion and rest. I've traveled all over the world. Why, why am I not? Why isn't this fulfilling? Why am I not fulfilled from this? And then I met a Christian couple through some other business ventures. They had invited me to their church. And it was a day of divine destiny for me, a divine appointment. Called them up one day October, in the month of October 1993. I said, hey, I'll be at church on Sunday. I, I, had, I never walked through the doors of that church prior. I walked in. And at the end, uh, there, was, there was an invitation given, or what I came to learn was an altar call. Mm-hmm. And, and that was my aha moment. In other words, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I know what's missing in my life and why I'm not fulfilled. I was the first one to the altar on my knees, and I can truthfully, truthfully say that day when I stood up, that sense of unfulfillment was gone. All of a sudden, immediately, there was I had this, this sense of, of a fulfilled life, and then little did I know from that decision and that encounter that day that, man, all these years later now, I'd be... I've traveled to 30 countries, all 50 states. You know, I had no idea I'd be an evangelist and a minister and and, and sharing the platform with Lex Luger and, you know, training men and, and, and ministering and counseling men. I had no idea. It's just, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah. Has, has you say um, um, the journey is still continuing and you have so much more to do and um, finding finding the Lord, have you had a piece of your life that you haven't felt before? Well, yeah. I mean, there was a piece, not to sound like a cliche, but there was a piece that surpassed all understanding mm-hmm. from that moment on. Now, all that to say, for your listeners, I, it's not been a, a, a smooth ride the last 27 plus years. I mean, you know, there's been a few bumps and thumps along the way. And I like to say it's been a kind of a roller coaster. In other words, there's been highs and lows and twists and turns and ups and downs. and uh, But... But I've never lost my joy this whole entire time, no matter how difficult uh, my situation has been or, or the circumstances I was, I've was i been facing. Um, I've never lost my joy. There's always been a peace there because and, 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 my feet are on solid ground. They're on the rock, Jesus. And so many amazing doors. Um, I mean, presently, if I can think about it, I've preached at about 1,200 plus or minus churches now, about 1,200. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've facilitated about 60 of these camps. Lex, Lex came aboard uh, just a few years ago to partner with me in these camps, these man camps. Uh, for, for your guy listeners out there, you know, if you're 18 or over, go to mancamp.info. Mancamp.info. Our next one's in April. And, uh, we take small groups of men, and, and for the ladies that listen to your show, you know, if you give men your blessing, they're more apt to, to come to the camp and, and want to be a part of it if they know they have your support. Um, but I, I had just no idea that, that I'd be doing, even even have my own podcast now, my own radio show, like I said, that came out of the, the shutdown from last year. I wasn't looking for that, yeah. but, but the C, Stu Epperson, the CEO of Truth Radio Network randomly called me one day and said, we need to talk. And we had a three-hour conversation, and he said, you need a weekly radio show and a podcast. I'm like, well, let's pray about that. And lo and behold, you know, we launched that in September of 2020, and 
already. It's been downloaded in, in 30 different countries. Wow. And for, for people who don't know about the podcast, what does it basically consist of? So it, it's it's conversation style, um, and and it's a variety of of, of interviews. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, certainly wrestlers. Like I just did a two part series with Sting, that was phenomenal. The first part we covered his whole entire career from his beginnings in Tennessee to the Mid South to NWA all the way up to AEW, right. and and so Lex Luger, um, a guy that's on Monday Night Raw, Jackson Riker. Yeah. Um, He's one of the interviews, but it's not just wrestlers. It's it's business people. It's it's people in ministry. Um, she, I've got a gal I've interviewed. Her name's Rachel Barbo. Rachel was 17 years a uh, major sportscaster. She was a pioneer for women's sportscasting sideline work back in the day when women weren't very welcomed to the to the sidelines. And uh, she's got a fascinating story hers is going to be coming up and and all kinds of different topics and in fact i launched a new segment to the show called q a questions and answers with Koloff. and so for all your listeners out there if you'll email me some questions to, to koloff.net if you're available what i'll do is when i'm in the studio i'll call you we'll arrange a phone call We'll have a 10 or 15 minute conversation to answer your questions and that will be a part of the Mana podcast and it could be about wrestling, it could be about ministry, it could be about life, it could whatever. Wow. Is it on like if people want to is it on like on Stitcher, iTunes, is it on all platforms? I I'm going to find out. I'll be in stu- I'll be in studio uh I'll be in studio tomorrow. It, it it's on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify. Okay. Um, and uh, I'll find out. I think it is on most of the major platforms and or somebody can go to their app store, mm-hmm. download Truth Radio Network, and not only get my podcast, boy, there's there's tons of great podcasts on the Truth Radio Network app. Okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. So, like, you know, it's, it's great because, you know, everyone, it's like everybody has a podcast now, but every podcast is different, and yours seems very different from everybody else's. So, it's, it's definitely be worth listening to. I can't wait to hear it. Well, well and, and that's what I've been told. And, and, and again, I mean, I, yeah, I know there's a lot of varieties out there. Part of my goal in launching the show and the pod, the radio show and the podcast was, was to bring, again, bring stories that would be, uh, inspirational, uh, motivational, um, you know, similar similar to the books I've written, you know, in, in, in written form, but also stories that people can relate to and go, oh my gosh, and I'm going to give you a quick example. Mm-hmm. So just, just uh, t- uh, this week, Dwayne Soper out of, uh, I think, Medicine Hat, Canada, I met him, I did a 21-city tour across Canada uh, 21 cities in 21 days, a wrestling tour, and I met Dwayne. I, I didn't even know I had res- wrestling fans in Canada. Thank you, all you Canadian fans out there. <laughs> who, who loved Nikita Koloff? I didn't know you were there until, until a few years ago. So I meet, I meet Dwayne and his family, and they're just precious people. Well, he emails me. He goes, hey, I, I don't know if you want to tackle this subject, but would you be willing to talk about suicide? And as it turns out, he had a friend 
uh, one of his best friends back in their teenage years uh, who ended up committing suicide 26 years ago. And it's, it's affected Dwayne all these years. And, and I said, man, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Cause I just had a buddy of mine two years ago, to, you know, just commit suicide. So I said, let's talk about it. I, I don't know. I have all the answers, but let's talk about it. And we did, we ended up talking, I think about 20 or 30 minutes. And he messaged me afterwards after, and he goes, I can't tell you how how healing that was just to be able to talk about it, bring it out into the open, and have a conversation. Because he's bottled it up all these years. Wow. And so that's just one example of, of the kind of content when people listen to the to the podcast or, or to the, the Q&A with Koloff. That's just uh, one example of the content of the show. Yeah, like like um, looking at it from you back then to now, would you ever think you'd be doing this? Like this is like like the like the person you was back then. <laughs> Man, not in a million years. And in fact, this is funny. Well, it's funny to me. Maybe not funny to some. But I, I tell people in a number of ways. God, there's definitely God definitely has a sense of humor in the end couple examples okay um at 12 years old as i shared some of my story with you i i started formulating a plan for my life okay Uh i give my life to jesus 17 october 1993 i start reading the bible and i find out god has a plan for my life i'm like oh my gosh all these years i tried to figure it out for myself and so Point number one, God sense of humor. I, I'm thinking I got my whole life figured out, got it all planned out, and I find out he's got a better plan than me. Okay, point number one. Point number two, when Pete Grigelko, the high school wrestling coach, tried to talk me into, into, into wrestling in high school, I thought, in my mind, looking back, honestly, I thought, you know, the idea, and, and please, if you're, if you're an amateur wrestler, please don't be offended by this, you know, if you're listening. Uh, the idea of two sweaty guys grabbing each other in their little leotard in front of 12 family members just didn't appeal to me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, give me a helmet, give me some shoulder pads, let me not knock somebody's block off, right? Yeah. So here's God's sense of humor. What do I end up doing for a living? Grabbing sweaty guys in my little leotard for a worldwide audience, no less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, last but not least, what did I do in wrestling? I, I flew on airplanes, I rented cars, I traveled around the world, I, I stayed in hotels, I spoke on microphones, in front of cameras, and your question was, did I ever dream I'd be doing what I'm doing now? So I look back the last 25 years since giving my life to Jesus, and I'm like, what have I been doing? Oh, I know. I've been flying on airplanes, renting cars, staying in <laughs> hotels, talking on microphones in front of cameras. There is a God, and He has a sense of humor. That's all I'm going to conclude it by saying that. <laughs> That's awesome, and you know, and it's funny how God reconnected you back with Lex Luger, and you know, his story is is is, a, is another great story. Um, how did how did he connect with you, or you connect with him, and how did you guys come together? Yeah, so you know, we had a, we had a great wrestling career together. We paralleled each other, and and, and in fact. When he shares a little, when you hear his side of the story, and he heard I was leaving wrestling at such a young age, because for your listeners, understand, we went from, wrestling went from guys making, you know, 
thousands of dollars to all of a sudden multiple millions of dollars after I left. So he kind of knew that was happening. So when he heard I, I was leaving, he's like, he literally, he, he'll, and I've been with him. He's like, I thought, that guy's an idiot. What's, what's he doing? Leave it. He's crazy, you know, because um, I walked away. I literally walked away from millions and millions of dollars of income. No regret, by the way, because, yeah. again, little did I know, 11 months later, God had a different plan for my life. But that said, I, the last time I saw him was in 1995 at the Charlotte Coliseum in North Carolina. I didn't see him again for 11 years. We were reunited in Phoenix, Arizona at a, at a Christian conference. He had just given his life to Jesus two months prior and had been invited out to this conference that I was a big supporter of. And we were reunited in 2006. And since that time, have become he's, I call him my peak performance partner, my battle buddy. I mean, he's, we're absolutely the best of friends. And then, as I said, we co-labor, we co-facilitate this man camp together. And uh, we've done a variety of other ministries and autograph signings and different things. So it's been a, it's been a great relationship. Yeah, it's funny how when people, you know, you hear their old terminology, what goes around comes around or, you know, what everything old is new again. So it's like, it's funny how you had a connection from wrestling and then now you have a connection with God. So it's funny how the world turns out. Well, it, it, here, here again, you know, there's the creator of the universe who knows all things, sees all things, uh, sees top to bottom, beginning to end, who has the master plan. You know, it's just up to us to submit our life to to his plan and to his will for our life. And when we come in alignment with that, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, I enjoyed my wrestling career. I, I really did. And and I'm, I'm thankful. I'm grateful. feel blessed that I had that opportunity. But I'm going to tell you, what I've been doing now the last 25 years and witnessing the transformation of people's lives, like literally hearing their stories um, and, you know, their encounters, whether they come to a man camp or to a, a church I, I minister at or, or a man of conference that I facilitate, or, or just in general through conversations or meeting them through business uh, or otherwise, the rewards that I've received the last 25 years that, what I did prior to that pales in comparison. And my, my perspective is not that I have to do what I do. I get to do what I do. And it blows me away that I get to do what I do. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing that, um, you know, because it's like, it's, it's also like, you know, you have to deal you know, with a lot of, you know, you deal with so many men who are coming to the Lord and you deal with so, you know, you hear so many different stories from, you know, horrific stories and whatnot of, of people dealing with transgressions or whatever, whatever story they're dealing with. Like, you know, there's so much yeah, just stuff, right? yes. just stuff, life, yeah. life. you know, and they're like, how do you like hearing, like, you know, hearing all this like tragedy and misery, like, how do you like. You know, you do you ask the grace of God to like to to give you the strength to like 
you know, and, and like you know, some 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 stories are just tr- it's, it's tragic. It's, it's like it's sad to hear. Like, how do you cope with hearing all this depression? Like, how do you cope yourself? Well, another great question. I mean, I feel again, I feel fortunate that that even though I'm I minister to a lot, especially men, I have a real heart for men, and and have ministered to probably into the thousands now for real. Uh, I or, you know, for sure hundreds and hundreds of men um and, and they reach out to me from all over the world all and and the guys who come to camp have come from all over the country and even come from europe uh to, to the man camp um is i guess i'm i'm fortunate that even though i'm in those settings and and listening to their stories and then really praying into how I can best speak into that, whatever it is they are going through or have gone through, um, that it doesn't stick to me. Yeah. If you know, if that makes sense to you, it's in other words, God's given me the ability to release it and let it go. Um, once, once I've, I've, once the ministry is, is done. Now there are some guys who I, I'll, minister on a continual basis but here again i'm not holding on to it um i'm able to just release it and, and let it go and encourage the, encouraging them to let things go so that they can receive you know be where they're wounded they can be healed where they're hurt they, they can be comforted you know that sort of thing yeah and yeah i, I you know from the grace of god you know you let that go because it's, you know there's a lot of people, there's a lot of different situations, a lot of men. You know, the thing is, it's hard for men because a lot of men have that mindset where, well, we don't, you know, it's the misconception where we don't express our emotions, we keep things bottled up inside, and if you're a man, you're not supposed to cry, if you're a man, you're not supposed to, like, feel depressed, but we do, and then, you know, it's it, it's a good opening because there's a lot of there's you know there's not many outlets out there for men to express themselves especially with yep. men with men's group they can do that and you know yep. it's it's just hard because sometimes like even if they're not right you know if they they're not they have no affiliation with church or whatnot like it's hard to find a men's group and it's hard for men to even speak to one another so how do you get a lot of men to speak to you and like like how did they come to god like how did they do it or to just open up right yeah um you know that's it you you bring about a great a great point and, and i have a i have a very firsthand story for you so lex luger yeah. grew up in a very blue collar town buffalo new york and hard-working parents just blue collar parents who you know who loved them they weren't real churchgoers per se but they were just hard workers and to your point lex's dad drove that into him you know Men don't cry, you know, suck it up, you know, pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? That's what the world tells you, right? Yeah. You know, in a sense, if you want to say, man up, you know, come on, suck it up, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, to your point, we, we still get hurt and wounded just like anyone else, and right, and, and we, and God created us as emotional beings, and to our detriment, we bottle it up, we hold it all inside many times. And then we explode at some point, right? We, yeah. we become, it becomes so toxic that we explode, it spills all over everybody, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and and then what's interesting about Lex's salvation 
uh, on April 23rd, 2006, he's with pa Pastor Steve Baskins. They're on their knees. They're praying. He's asking Jesus to come his life. And it's the waterworks, bro. I mean, he, he can't. He's just bawling. And he's like, oh, oh, my gosh. You know, my dad told me real men don't cry. And <laughs> Steve's like, no, bro. God, those are cleansing tears. God is cleansing you right now. It's okay. Real men. The shortest script. Do you know what the shortest scripture in the Bible is? Do you know? No. Two words. Do you know? No. What is it? Jesus wept. Yeah. Jesus wept. So the world will tell you, if you want to be a man, stand on your own two feet, be independent, blah, 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 blah. And yet Jesus, the ultimate model, wept. So my conclusion on that is, hey, if he's man enough to cry, it's okay for me to cry. Now, I'm not a crybaby, but the point is, it's okay for me to show my emotions. To answer, to really get to the, address the question of how do I get men to open up, it, it's really, it's not so much that I get them to open up, as much as they're they're put into a, a setting. So let's say, let's say some of your listeners decide, you know, you decide to come to man camp. Well, here's the deal. You're in a setting that if you want to open up, you're in a very safe setting that you can do that. But you don't have to. You can continue to keep it in and, and let me know how that works out for you <laughs> over, over, over time. But you're going to be in a setting where you're going to feel safe enough that if you want to, if you want, we had a pastor last year at our man camp, 73 years old. Retired. Do you know he he opened up and and became vulnerable and just transparent to something that he had held in for over fifty years. Wow, fifty plus years. And afterwards, man, he looked at me, he hugged my neck, and he goes, "I can't thank you enough for providing this camp, providing this opportunity for me." And and he went back to Virginia with his heart healed from all of that hurt that he had bottled up and kept inside all those years. So it's just men being willing, whether it's a men's group, a Bible study, a man camp or anything else, it's, it's through men's willingness to open up and realize it's okay to show your emotions as a man. It's okay. That's how God wired you as an emotional being and and it's okay um with all like the pandemics happening with the coronavirus and everything um have you been doing a lot of virtual stuff or do you do do you have like the social distancing like how is how how would that how does that affect man camp like is it <laughs> it, it doesn't but oh, does it oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't we we did too in fact we did, we did what we did one in, in june of 2020 in June, yeah, and we did one in October of 2020, and and it wasn't even a topic of discussion. Now, keep in mind, I've done about 60 of these camps prior, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm like I'm praying. I'm like, Lord, we got guys coming. Guys are flying in. Guys are driving in. They're about seven or eight different states, and we keep it a small group. We usually keep between 20, 25 guys, mm -hmm. and um, and I just I just felt like, I'm like. Lord, I, I'm not doing I'm not doing any special protocols here, and I'm going to trust that you're going to protect us 
um, through all this craziness. And, and that was my approach. And, and so we, we didn't change anything at, at all. And, and lo and behold, believe it or not, to date, not, not one report, not one, not one case of any kind of illness or virus that came out of those camps. Not one. Wow. And so I, my conclusion is God protected us. He knew, hey, these guys are coming to run after my heart. I'm going to protect these guys. And he did. Wow. Amen. Wow. That's awesome. Yep. Wow. Yep. Um, I know, I know you're pressed for time for Nikita, but winding down, um, what is your goals for 2021 or what's your resolutions? If you even made one. Oh boy. We don't have time to talk about all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Actually, what I, what I do each year, normally on New Year's Eve, like I'll spend five, six, seven, eight hours and just go quiet before the Lord and, and, you know, have some worship on and, and, or just be quiet and, and, and so, and, and I'll just begin to write out kind of a vision for the, for the next year and, and, and some goals. I've always been a big goal guy and goal setter and that sort of thing. And, and I don't have all of them in front of me, but I have a whole page of, of goals. Some of the ones, um, you know, just off the, the top of my head, some of the ones are like, I have a goal of this, of, of the man of podcast being downloaded into a hundred plus countries. And so, we're, we're at 30, so we're on the way. We're on, on, that, on that track. I've got a goal of the radio show being syndicated across America on two to 300 radio stations. That's a goal. Um, we're going to pick up more advertisers and sponsors. I have a goal kind of uh, – we have uh, three. I think we're getting ready to pick up our fourth advertiser. But I have a, a goal for how many advertisers and sponsors that, that I'd like to have that for the show and the podcast. Um, I have a goal of doing 10 man up conferences, um, in, in 2021, I've already got six on the calendar. I've already done one, get ready to do two more the next, uh, uh, the next two weekends, uh, or the last two weekends in, in February, I've got six for the spring and I may even do end up doing more than 10. Um, of course we've got the two, the goal of two camp, we'll do our next camp in April and then we'll do another one in the fall. And, and what else? Uh, uh, the, the, the two books that are on my, on my website, um, I do want to transfer those uh, into audio books. Yeah. And so that is, a, that is another goal for 2021, to transfer those into audio books, make them available that way. And so those are some of the goals for 2021. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's so awesome, Nikita. Um, Nikita, I want you to, um, like you said, um, you're, you talked about your books. Plug your books. Plug your website. Um, plug where the podcast you said is pretty much on iTunes and whatnot, all social platforms and whatnot. People can listen to, and you're trying to get it on more apps, right? Correct, like more platforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, a couple websites. Keep in mind, koloff.net, just the last name, K O L O F F. .net. It's brand new. We just launched that uh, brand new, brand new website. Got the store on there with the, with two of the books and, and some other things, some CDs, some messages, and and uh, a wrestling DVD and some other stuff on on, on the uh, uh, on the store site, Koloff.net. Uh, a tale of the Ring of Redemption, the inspirational 
uh, wrestling with success, developing a championship mentality. That's the motivational book. You'll you'll be blessed by one or the other or both. Um, so coop.net, mancamp.info, and we still have a few so- spots left for for the uh, April April camp. Would love to uh, you know love to uh, see some of your listeners uh, come and, and, and attend and, and be impacted by that. Um, and I say impacted, I tell people it's not an event, it's an experience. It's yeah. a, May Camp is an experience, and you will walk away with a, with a brand new experience if you attend. If you commit and attend, ladies, give them your blessings so your man will come. And our goal is to send them home better equipped to be godly husbands, godly fathers, and, and men of God. So send your man. Send your man. Mm-hmm. Um, and on social media... Um, social media, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Nikita Koloff, with the numeral one behind it. That's real me. On Facebook, look for me standing in a river with two other guys. Mm-hmm. It's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, another friend, Jason Sanderson. Um, we are standing uh, in actually the Jordan River in Israel, and and we were taking turns baptizing each other in the in the Jordan, uh, and of course the podcast just. Go go to your app store, look for Truth Radio uh, Network, that app, and you can get it that way, or to all the other uh, major major platforms. And uh, I just appreciate you having me on today, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, um, ladies and gentlemen. The Russian Nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Nikita, thank you so much, and God bless you, brother. And um, I hope you could talk again with more time down the road. And um, best for you in 2021. And... You know, God willing, we'll talk again uh, again sometime. Thank you so much. And, and, and you as well. And God bless you and all your listeners out there. And hopefully, I will come across your path and we'll be able to, to, to meet face-to-face uh, sometime here soon. Shadoita. Yeah. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.